So before you separate from your partner, you just release them from believing that that is your critic. Just make sure that you, <laughs> that whatever was said was done in good sport and that they don't really believe those things. Because it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. One of the things I haven't talked about today is how we, um, we project our critic outwards, right? So say you're in a, you know, I don't know, you're in a cafe or something and you drop your plate and it smashes on the floor. And of course, it's a field day for your critic. And you assume everybody else is thinking you're the biggest, stupidest klutz in the world because that's what you think. Most people are going, oh, well, that looks terribly embarrassing. Or they're like, oh, poor love. I wonder why they did that. You know, Most people are actually much more sympathetic and kind, way more than we are to ourselves. But we project our worst fears and our worst critic. So to notice when we do that and um, to see if you can intercept that, because it's mostly not true, actually. Not that we don't judge each other, but in that way we're not as harsh Reality is much kinder than our thoughts, usually. So how was that to practice um, defending, finding strategies to help uh, the judgments not stick, not land as, as much as they normally do? Yes. Well, let's get a mic and we'll do a... Can we get him? Thanks. Now, I may be in the minority here, but I found it pretty hard because I don't experience my inner critic as other. Mm -hmm. So, um, stop, that hurts. That, kind of, that ideation, that way of, of conceptualizing it doesn't quite work for me. Mm -hmm. So, there are only a couple of these strategies that, that kind of fit. So, so I, what pronoun does your judge use? Well, it is, it's, it's not... Um, you did this. It's I. It's I. Right. That's so right. that's a little harder because right. it's a little closer in. Right. Ideally, you want your judgments to be you, not I. <laughs> 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 it's true. <laughs> well, if you were a better teacher, <laughs> is that better? <laughs> I'm not judging your judgments. <laughs> but just, just to notice, to notice that when it's in the I language, it is, it's closer, right? It's just a little, th like, so, you know, and, and I, my experience, it manifests both, it, 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 depending on what the situation is, whether it's an I or you. Um, But, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My my suggestion would be to find a way to um. To, to whether it's the I or the you, and even if when the I feels very close in, to still play with these strategies. Um, because even if you say I'm, you know you know, I messed up, I should have done better, right? It's still a point of view. It's still the critic, even though it sounds like me as the critic, it's still the critic. It's still worthy to say, oh, thank you for the point of view. Thank you for your opinion. So I, yeah, I keep playing with it. But it's harder when it's I than you. Um, for the when we exchanged the first time, I found it almost more interesting to be the critic. Mm. I was repeating the judgment, and I felt so bad about it. Mm. It felt so harsh, and I'm, I cannot even say that. Mm. And then I realized, oh, 
and I'm doing that to myself mm-hmm. in a much worse way. Mm-hmm. But then, but the second time, that was fun. It was so fun to, <laughs> oh, you're not doing that, you're not doing that. And I got into that and, and I thought, oh, my critic probably enjoys that too. Mm-hmm. Just stirring me up again and again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. So for me, the role of being the critic was almost more helpful than mm-hmm. defending myself. Yeah, yeah it's good to play that role and see what it feels like. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, if it was a new inquiry or new realization about the judgment, the self-critic, right, the inner critic, um, some of the strategies like exaggerating and making fun of it and making light of it, I wasn't able to get to until doing the deeper inquiry. So one of the things that worked for us well was that is that true mm-hmm. first? Mm-hmm. And then taking the inquiry to the point where then I could see that the critic was um, consistent and constant. And then maybe somewhere down the road, I'll be able to get to some of those other ones that are disinterested and, you know, just kind of making fun of it. Mm -hmm. But the inquiry was too new and raw and real Mm -hmm. of seeing it like, oh my God, maybe I'm not worthy, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So So what strategy worked? Um, Well, at some point, uh, there was the awareness, uh, it was interesting with that one in particular, the self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some recognition of I could kind of, at this point in my life, give a shit what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm living my life more for my direct experience. And mm-hmm. so then the inner critic's belief and, and value there just had no relevance. Mm-hmm. And so once it got to that, then it was just kind of, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm setting a boundary here, and it's time to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So again, so just reiterating what you just said, that the inquiry is a really helpful process. Mm-hmm. And whether it's using those questions we looked at this morning or other kind of questioning into... Um, its validity, its efficacy, its origin, it's you know, yeah, useful to do the inquiry, for sure, always. Yeah. For what it's worth, I um, had one moment where I um, answered the critic in uh, child language. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, Pig Latin. Worked very well. <laughs> Pig Latin? Yeah, it's a... It's a way kids scramble language to play. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. and, and that worked? Yeah. Acne it a off a. Whatever works. <laughs> really, it's just like saying the sky is blue, blah, blah, blah. You know. Yes. So I think we've, we felt just doing the exercise, like hearing somebody else verbalize what's usually mm-hmm. an internal process, sort of made it patently absurd. Mm-hmm. It's like you could just see how it was wrong, and, mm-hmm. and, and so it was really helpful mm-hmm. to me from that perspective. Yeah, so interesting to see the juxtaposition, just like when we write it down, when you hear it from another voice, it's like, that's not true. Like, what? That's stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good to see. I was amazed at how much energy and anger was behind. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the, you know, what what felt different when we said it. And for me, I was surprised at how much anger was behind that. Behind the what? Behind the judgment? At my response to the judgment. Uh huh. So when Andrea made a judgment to me, and I was using really foul language, and I was like, that good. feels so good. <laughs> yeah. I was amazed at how much energy there was in response. Like maybe I hadn't been responding, I'd been just kind of maybe dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk about this. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got to that place, because um, you know, from, from the perspective that I've been taking today, the critic is an attack, right? It's an attack on our well-being, it's an attack on our value, it's an attack on our goodness, um, it's a t- and, and 
it's not an idle comment, but it has some weight to it. It has some fierceness. It's pointed, right? It's aggressive in a certain way, mostly, not always. Um, and so that has an energy to it, right? And we need often, not always, to meet something with the same energy from which it's coming, right? Otherwise, we are flattened, right? If someone's really strong and aggressive and you say, hmm, would you mind going away, please? <laughs> you know, they're just going to, you know, like, yeah, roll over you, right? So, and that, I think, is a true with the critic to some degree. Um, so, sometimes, as you, as you access, and I had to work through, you have to, um, in, in the diamond approach work, they call this the red energy. You have to summon the red energy, which is the energy that's involved in, 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 in our developmental process in the separation individuation phase, when the child learns how to develop autonomy, right? Terrible twos, right? Tantrums, right? There's a lot of power, a lot of rage gets expressed. That is the red energy. It's a necessary part of the ego structure's individuation process, right? That same energy is, 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 if we can summon that energy to deal with the critic, it's a way of separating and individuating from that sort of psychic phenomena, which is quite intense and fierce. And it's the energy that says, shut the fuck up and get out of my life. Go away. Right? It's fierce. It's strong. It's not like, oh, please, no, let me leave me alone. It's like, no, get out of here. Stop. Enough. Right? And I'm saying that with some fears, and I didn't say that because I sort of was holding back from saying that. Because some people, it's like, whoa, I'm in a Buddhist meditation center. No, no. <laughs> I just breathe for a second. And he used an F word. And oh my God. <laughs> um, but actually, I found, and for many people, that we need to summon that level of fear. So when, pe- when I've experienced people who are depressed, it's because they've l- that their life force has gotten sucked out of them, and it's that very red energy that needs to like, get this voice and say, no, stop, enough, not useful, not helpful, not true, go away. I'm sorry, I'm not, not doing this to you over there. <laughs> Uh, like, no, stop. That's why it's really good to practice this in the car, because you may find yourself using a few F words, you know, like just stop, right? And and let yourself feel that fierceness, which is different when we're different than, it's not hatred, and it's not, and again, it's a a very subtle thing, because we're not, we're not getting into this aggressive confrontation with the critic, which, is, which builds up the critic. It's just no. Like, just no. Stop and not, not interested. Shut the F up. Right? Which, of course, may not work. I mean, it may not like, well, who are you to, who are you to tell me shut up? <laughs> but it's, it's, that, it's, it's the energy. It's not the words. It's the energy that's important. It's like, no. Like, I'm enough. I'm going to take care of myself. This is not true. This is not helpful. I'm not going to buy this crap anymore. Right? That's kind of the that's the sort of the feel. Right? It doesn't always have to have that kind of energy, but sometimes it does. Right? And probably many of you are here because you need actually that kind of energy. And by no means does everybody need to do that. Right? Some of you are like well, that's nah, nah, nah. okay, fine. Use compassion. Use whatever works, right? But this is a this is a particularly important energy that I think is, um, you know, like you go to Tibet, and you go oh in Ladakh where I've been, which is more like Tibet was um, pre-invasion, and you go into the monasteries and they're full of these kind of tankers, but they're not beautiful, loving, compassion, never look at Teshwaras. They're wrathful, demonic deities um, that are standing on the heads of the ego. Like, I mean, these are powerful energies, right? They, they, they're really, you know, it's a tantric path, which is you transforming these powerful energies of, of greed and hatred and delusion, right? So you're using the energy. So there's, there's, a, there's an understanding of, of sublimation, right? So, this, so when I talk about the fierceness, it's not anger and hatred in a deluded way that the man in the back talked about earlier. It's, it's a skillful use of energy. 
It's all energy. Right? And we can use it skillfully and unskillfully. And the critic is an energy that's powerful, that's a dampening force on our psyche for the most part and our well-being. So um, to bring that up is really can be really effective. Is that clear? Yeah. And have fun with it. You know, get big. You know, shout. You know, be use you use physical gestures like I'm doing. You know, it helps. You're creating internal psychic space is what you're doing with these strategies. So you're not collapsing, right? Which doesn't serve anybody. Right? So. Okay, the comments. Yes, please, in the front. Can you get the mic down here? Oh, so, so we'll, we'll come to you. With, he has a mic, so I will get you next. Yeah. So I, I found it was really hard for me not to rationalize them, mm-hmm. at least in some part. Mm-hmm. And to, to some extent before trying some technique, but so always give, give, me exa- like, give me an example. Like, what, what's, um, what's the rationalization for you? Like? like, I should exercise more. You, you know, part of me would say, okay, yeah, I should. And then I would say, very funny, or you know, I'd try uh-huh. one of the techniques, but it's really hard to not at least rationalize some truth in some part of what was mm-hmm. being said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, you know, if so, if something's true, often the 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 the, the first line of, a t- of of defense for me would be, yeah, you're right, I need to exercise more, and I hate the freaking gym, but yeah, I should exercise more. Yeah, thanks for your opinion. So, <laughs> next, <laughs> anything else? Right? It's not like we have to defend. We not defend that point of view that we shouldn't exercise, right? We don't want to get into that thing. Again, it's just we're, we're reflecting on who, what voice we're we listening to to get us to the gym or to get us to exercise, right? And if it's that gym, if it's that voice, it's n- it's it's never enough. So we don't exercise enough, hard enough, fast enough. Right? It's just it, it's it's a lose lose strategy for the most part. Um, and as I say, we can. There are other things we can use in our mind to get us to exercise other than the critic, and which is a much healthier way. Like, oh yeah, I really, like again, getting in touch with your passion to be healthy, that's going to motivate you more or, or notice or envisioning yourself with the outcomes of you being healthy after a year of working out. That's a better motivation than shame, right? That's, that's what I'm really make clear, right? Some people, the shame does get you to the gym. It's not sustainable. And it's not a healthy thing to sustain that that motivation. Um, so you talk about the fierceness. I'm assuming it's never okay to choke someone in response to. <laughs> um, like I, I just when we did the exercise, that was what came up for me. Is like I want to choke you right now. <laughs> uh huh. I would choke you, the person who was being yeah. critic. But it was my, it's my. Well, it's okay. Um, sorry, let me gather. So, um, this I chose to work with one that's really big for me, mm-hmm. and when she when it came out of her mouth, I was actually paralyzed mm-hmm. and like just not able to respond at all, mm-hmm. even with the sheet in front of me, mm-hmm. and that's what happens in real life. Mm-hmm. And um, people, you know, they they say this to me often, and I just feel like I have to take it. Like um, it's actually a judgment about my body. Mm. And um, it's, I feel like it's kind of relentless. Mm. And it's been going on since I was a kid that I'm too small, right? Mm. I'm just too skinny. And, mm. you know, this is like forever, mm-hmm. right? So then I have this whole thing about I need to gain weight and I just eat like, I mean, it just, mm-hmm. ah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like first is just that it's, it's like, it's as if I must take it because it's true, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm. I'm a small person. So is it true? Yeah. Is, w- w- what is true? That I'm small. Uh-huh. Okay. From, 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 from one perspective, okay. Yeah. Right. So, so, okay, so, so let's, let's, let's start with that. So it's true that you're small, okay. Uh, okay, uh, that's it. Okay, so 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 you're small. Okay, someone says you're small or you're too small, right? They, this, the word I really hate is skinny. Skinny. That's okay. what makes me want to choke someone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so when you're judged, so leaving other people out of it because that's a whole other piece of work. But if do you say that to yourself, you judge. You judge says that to you. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like a not enough. You uh-huh. know? So like my body too is not enough. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. So when you say that to yourself, you get paralyzed? Um, yeah, I don't feel my best. Mm-hmm. 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 Do you feel the pain of that, that statement? Well, yes, today. Good. Uh, for the first time, because That's what, what you want to feel. was helpful was um, when I got unparalyzed, just um, I saw what came, like looking at the sheet, what came up was speaking my truth. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to just tell her, like, I really don't appreciate your judgment of my body right now. Mm-hmm. That hurts me. Mm-hmm. And right. So you want to feel the hurt. You want to feel the pain of having been labeled in that way, and then you internalizing that, and you labeling yourself as too skinny. You want to feel the pain of that. The more you can feel the pain in that, the more you will, I think, unfreeze your response. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then lots of self, when you do the metta, do it for your body. Yeah. May I love my body just as it is. May I accept my body just as it is. May I love myself just as I am. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I think we have to get, we have to go way deep into the pain to, like, these these cognitive strategies, they're fine, you know, but as you know about the healing process, right, we don't really heal up here, right? We heal here, and we heal here, right? We heal, we heal through the heart, through emotion, through our body, through direct experience. So, um, uh, you know, these strategies are fine, and they work, they work on a certain level, and there's also much deeper layers of pain to this stuff around self-worth, around value, around body image, around self-hatred, around much deeper layers of pain that we also have to feel, right? Partly this, this work is, 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 as I keep saying, is like you're, you're trying to create a little space so you can actually feel all the stuff that's beneath. When someone calls you a name that's really painful, or you say that to yourself because you've internalized it, right? You can you want to first create this space, like just give me some space here so I can breathe. Oh yeah, this really sucks. This is painful. This is really hard to bear. This is a lot of grief here. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of you know aggression comes out, right? So you want to feel that stuff because that's that's what wants to be met, but it can't be met. It can't be processed. If all this stuff is loud in the head, one of the thing, one of the reason, one of the things I think about the critic is that it's a defense mechanism to stop us from feeling. Right? It keeps us very safe up here. You're a bad person. You're never going to get your life together. Blah 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 blah, and it stops us from feeling the grief and the sadness or the loss or the regret about the choices that we made, about where we are in midlife, which was not where we planned to be, about whatever stuff. Um, is going on beneath the surface, right? So the critic keeps us up here, keeps the energy up here, so um, we don't get to feel, right? It's, 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 and again, it's sort of quasi self-protective. Um, yeah. So. I actually have a comment also, if you, you may. You, you want to come? Yeah, please. Yeah. So I found when we were doing the work, some. Um, some issues were much more painful when something about your family or about people you love and you feel responsible. It's actually really hard to refute those. Hard like to refute. So give me an example. Well, like I'm not nice to my family or something mm. like that, you know. So it's kind of, um, you kind of just like, oh, big deal, whatever. Or mm-hmm. it's just a family, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh, just them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what did you do? Did you find any strategy that, that was helpful? Um, well, we actually came up with a couple of uh, tweaks. One mm. is maybe naming critics different names. Mm-hmm. So one is a critic, I don't know, about your work behavior. Second is about your family. I'm like, oh, that's you speaking, okay. Mm-hmm. Or another one is, okay, well, I get it. Um, maybe I'll call them tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, instead, like, being more constructive, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But those ones were pretty hard. 
Yeah. Yeah, so again, I, I think what I'm hearing is that, you know, many of the things that a, a critic is saying are about things that are true, right? So maybe we're not so nice to our family, right? But again, the, the discernment about what we do with that information or the, the basis upon which we decide how to change our relationship to our family comes better not from listening to the critic, right? The critic will just shame us about certain behaviors, in this case, maybe not being so nice to your family, right? But the more it does that, it doesn't actually help the situation. It doesn't help you. It clearly hasn't helped you change your behaviors, right? You're just more painfully aware of them and shamed about it, right? So, um, um, so we're separating the truth of something from the judge therefore justifying that it can therefore judge you ad nauseum about that fact, right? And just because the first might be true doesn't justify the second. And just because something's true, just because you might not treat your family well for whatever reason, doesn't justify your judge reminding you every day, many times a day, how badly you treat your family. Because um, it doesn't actually bring any resolution. Useful in information to look at, like, oh, how come I'm not being nice to my family? What's that about? Interesting place to take offline and do some inquiry about that. But the giving the critic license to therefore berate you endlessly does not help anything except make you feel worse about yourself, which will probably lead you to probably more paralysis and less constructive action, I would say. Um, so we're trying to separate those two. There's the data, and then there's how we, how, that, how we believe that, then we let the critic remind us. You know. Do you see the difference? So, yeah. Um, I, I was touched by like what you were talking about with kind of discerning. <clears throat> there, for me, there's always a hook. There's like something that's true, mm -hmm. right? And that then like some little thing like maybe maybe because I get the same thing. My a lot of my family's on the other side of the country, and I don't visit them. Mm -hmm. And so, fact, I see them once or, or twice a year, mm -hmm. and then. From that, the the judge is you are a bad person, you uh, you treat them badly, mm -hmm. you and and so there's just that that one little piece like okay, once or twice a year, and and it takes it to this to this level of yeah to um, how bad of a son I am right. Um, and that, yeah, I've, I've just noticed consistently that there always is some little kind of truth, like mm -hmm. the, the little hook, and it can be mm -hmm. totally subtle, right. but it can, it takes it on this wild ride to, you know, mm -hmm. everything. You know, I can be a toothless bum, like having no friends on the street because I treat, you know, I don't visit my family more than twice a year. <laughs> you know, like it literally goes that. Yeah, it, yeah um, I understand. So you're making a really important point about um, you have the data, right? You visit your parents so much, you know, so many times a year. And then you have the judgment, which is not about the data, it's about your worth. It's about your value, right? That's why the critic is so destructive, because it's not just, it's, it's taking the data and... Um, undermining your value as a human being. It, it's questioning your value as a human being or as a son or as a person because of this data. Right? And as if it has the, the right or the ability or the clarity to do that. Right? It's none of its business, frankly. And it's irrelevant. And it's not helpful, not useful, not true. Right? And it's not it doesn't have any power unless we give it the power. Right? So, so thank you for sharing that because it's, it's again a really important point. There's the data 
And then there's what the judge makes of the data and how it incriminates us as a person. Right? That's why it's so hard to go up against it because someone's saying, you're a terrible person because, this, you know, whether it's visiting your family, not treating them well, you've, you know, fill in the blank, right? So to, 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 to really inquire into this piece of how it takes data and therefore um, pulls, undermines, questions your value as a human being. Question. Uh, makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> I am smoking mad. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> that incriminating angle is societal norms pressures. Taking is an example of the young lady uh, thinness. <laughs> uh, not to say the other words that word that bothers you. Uh, culturally, maybe in your, in your culture, it's not good. And yet, look how much money goes around in liposuction and uh, creams and diets and you know, and you name it. So that illustrates the dilemma of what do we do when the data may be true? It undermines our worth and the societal norms or the, our environment supports that because we are that, we are therefore not fitting, therefore we are not good people. <clears throat> I'm not quite getting the question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting what I'm you're not saying. I'm even sure I get the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what I'm hearing is that, you know, that the, our internal judgments are reinforced and reified repeatedly by every ad about you know, what a woman's body should be like, how thin, what weight, what size, what color, you, know, you name it. Um, so yes, yeah, so the, 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 our inner judgments, of course, are uh, um, magnified, influenced, exacerbated, reinforced by all these stereotypings and, uh, you know. And we can tell our judge, <coughs> just no, go fly a kite, do whatever you want, but what do we do with the reinforcement then? I mean, I guess the question is, uh, how would you suggest that we um, meet that additional uh, information that uh, reinforces Mm -hmm. Well, I think I think the important thing, you know, just with anything with awareness, is you're looking at the causal factors for things. So, what causes something to be right? So, you might be sitting, you might be just, you know, driving along the road, feeling like it's a lovely autumnal day, and then you see a billboard of, you know, an actress, a model, whatever, some gender-reinforcing, body-image-reinforcing stereotype, which are, you know, everywhere, triggers a thought about self, about body image, about weight, right? Triggers the whole cycle of self-judgment, right? So we want to be aware of that relationship that with media and images advertising is constantly reinforcing views about how who and how we should be right so and I would say minimize the contact with a lot of those toxic sources you know for instance the whole magazine industry I think is pretty toxic for the stereotyping and the gender reinforcing stuff that's in there you know I find it repulsive mostly because of the you know, I look at, you know, I almost mentioned it today. In your one week, you'll see on People magazine, um, there will be articles about, um, uh, you know, Hollywood, young Hollywood stars 
who have, you know, who have weight issues. And then next week you'll have Hollywood stars who have bulimia, right? And you'll just, it's just this nightmarish tirade of, of body reification and fascism, as far as I can see. So we want to be mindful about what we expose ourselves to, you know, I think. So when the Buddha talks about guarding the gates of the senses, we guard what comes in through our senses because it has a big effect on our mind, right? Just as pornography has a very damaging effect on the mind, so does, so does you know, the media and magazines and all of that stuff has a very powerful effect on the mind that can have, and I don't want to say it's all bad because that's a little whitewashing, but um, to notice its impact on you, on your psyche, right? Because for a lot of people it has very negative impacts. And I, we just want to make that conscious. We want to see what's feeding our critic. We want to see, you know, if going to church or going to work or going to wherever it is reinforces our judge. You know, what, who are we around? Who are we listening to? Are we around a lot of judgmental people? Right? Guess what will happen if you're around a lot of judgmental people? You become more judgmental. It's just, we're human. We're, we're in, influenced by our environment. Right? So, to be mindful of that. So the medicine, thank you for, for in indicating it, is to be aware sensorily of what comes in and yeah. putting the yeah, brakes sure. on that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last couple of comments at the back. Or maybe three comments, one there. I want to do a close with some meta practice. I have a question. Um, can your inner critic, I'm dealing with something in my life right now. Can your inner critic, um, if you had a very strong um, family life that was very inner critic wise, can it run your life? Sure. It runs most people's lives. <laughs> But in a you know um, in a way you don't want it to. So yes. <laughs> Where you, you? Why do you think people commit suicide? Why do you think people commit suicide? Mostly because the the tyranny of their critic has gotten so loud, unbearable that that's the the the, the preferred exit route. I see. Is there, is there a way out of that? I mean... Potentially, yeah. With the right intervention, for sure. Yeah. I'm not saying we're all going to be suicidal, but... <laughs> um, uh, you know, unchecked, it's a downhill spiral if we give that voice airtime. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unhealthy... You know, just like with anything in the mind, what we feed grows. Right? So what are we feeding? Are we paying attention to a voice of wisdom or awareness or kindness or compassion or discernment, or we listen to a voice that's critical and undermining and devaluing. So you can retrain what... Um, I think you can retrain. I've seen it happen. Yeah. It takes work. Right. Yeah. It takes support, it takes skill, it takes resources, it takes mm -hmm. practice. But yeah, that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why I do these courses. I do run retreats and workshops and... Yes. So when's yes. your next retreat on the... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, at the back here, the gentleman in the blue shirt. Okay. Uh, hi there, yeah. A quick question regarding, um, you talked about, um, so when you have a critic, like you've been through a traumatic experience, let's say you've had, um, recently I had one of my best friends um, have a heart attack and die in my arms. Mm. She was a Fairfax resident and... I miss her terribly. So there, I know there's a story there. There's a story, right, of what happened. Mm -hmm. But you've got all this emotional and all the, you know, and your therapist can tell you this and, you know, there's stages of, you know, of your trauma and the things that you go through when you're in a trauma, the, the different stages of going through the process. But you've got, and then you're talking about a story because everyone, you know, we've got a story there of what happened, of how it occurred and the incident. But what do you do with all the emotional, I mean, I mean, you <laughs> know, it's like you have to like live it and breathe you it and feel it and feel it exactly. Yeah. And then I'm asking myself, what is the Buddha trying to teach me? What am I? What is the lesson here? And so I keep asking myself, is there something for me to get here? And so that's yeah. It sounds like feel, grieve, yeah, feel yeah. your heart and grieve and feel the loss. Tragic thing. 
but also enjoy the you know be thankful for the time that I did yes, have with her and the fact that she was with somebody who loved her and you right. know and, yes. and it was yeah. traumatic as it was for me I keep thinking about but it was also a blessing in a way of yeah. knowing that at least she didn't die alone you know of course it's, beautiful so. thing but I wouldn't look I wouldn't look too hard for the meaning I would just the, the meaning is being present to whatever feeling you're having and, and giving yourself full space and permission to feel your feelings. You know, the meaning, meaning comes when we're present to experience, when we're present to our feeling life, when we're allowing our heart to move. We don't need to, we can't force ourselves to meaning. meaning. I think meaning happens as a result of a process. So, um, you know, there are many probably powerful meanings why why that, not why that happened, but that it happened and there's things that you learn and you grow out of that experience and the more you can stay close to the the feeling of that, I think the better. Yeah. Mm. Happy for your friend that she had you to hold her. I have a, a, a question that's related to that. Um, I was, I was uh, wondering about the role of trauma and and rage because it seems like some of some of the inner critic comes for some people from early trauma, and if it's pretty profound, you, you know, you, rage would be um, a byproduct of that. And I'm wondering what what would be the skillful way of dealing with rage. And one of the things, that the fierceness option was was good, but um, it sometimes just doesn't wouldn't feel like enough to just say no. You know, so if, if someone has rage and um, they are wanting to move that en- energy, you know, before they can have meta practice and be compassionate, needing to kind of skillfully move that energy, that intense energy, and I'm assuming Buddhists are not okay with, you know, the yelling and, you know, of course, acting and reacting, but what would be a skillful way of dealing with that? You mean rage coming out of the trauma? Yes, the rage, because the, the inner critic, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the inner critic as rage turns, turned against oneself, mm. but, but if, the, if, if the rage was, you don't want to keep turning it against yourself, but it needs to, to be released mm-hmm. energetically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's you know it's a complicated question, and you know trauma itself is complicated. So I don't think I can do justice to the question. But um, you know, I need to know a lot, a lot more really about. The, you know, I certainly work with a lot of those situations, and um, uh, you know, I, I think you make an interesting point that you know I certainly worked with enough trauma survivors and abuse survivors that the the you know, especially if it's spousal, uh, parental abuse, um, that uh, it's, you know, again, it's all these, all these dynamics happen. You know, we're hardwired to survive, right? So the psyche will do whatever it can to survive. And one of the ways, this is true for many, not all, but many abuse survivors that I've worked with is that they're, the rage and the hatred turns inward because it's it's um, it's just not safe to turn that against the perpetrator, right? So um, it has to go somewhere. So it goes inward, right? Because and then it's often a young psyche. That's all they can do to make sense of it. So um, and, that, and it comes through the critic, you know, shame, blame, judgment, and um, you know, again, with a lot of these things, you know, underneath the rage is, you know, is, is the pain, is the, is, is the you know, the, the sadness, the loss, the grief. Um, and that, learning, learning skillfully how to, how to approach that and move into that is obviously where the healing is. Um, sometimes you can't get there until you until you feel the the rage, and uh, but the rage is often also an obstacle to getting into the feeling. So it's complicated. Um, yeah. So, but I've certainly you know worked with with the, that that in retreats and elsewhere, and 
Um, I worked with this one woman who was sexually abused when she was quite young and um, uh, you know, blamed herself, you know, as many survivors do, even though she was like four or five when it happened. And we shifted her focus from blame to um, uh, just re-tuning into that young part of herself that had been violated and loving that part of herself and feeling the sadness and the pain and the, the loss. And she was able to um, realize she wasn't to blame. You know, she was able to shift, shift that self-hatred, able to move that layer out so she could actually be with herself and learn to love that young part of herself that she'd rejected for probably at least 40 some years, 40, 50 years. So, possible. You know? Yeah. Um, so. so I really appreciated the um, uh, discussion before, which uh, the, the saying that you had to avoid triggers um, from, you know, t- that would trigger a bad reaction toward the critic. And, uh, for example, the billboards and other inanimate type of things. But I was wondering how you would react to, um, you know, a critic that's personified, like an, a person, you know, because that kind of thing is very difficult to avoid. So mm-hmm. would that be a response where you would summon sort of an inner courage or that red fire to, um, you know, to approach them? Or, or what's your thoughts Depends if it's your boss or not. <laughs> <laughs> not boss. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a whole other workshop. <laughs> You know, it's it's hard. It's you know, it's it's complicated, right? Humans are complicated. Relationships are complicated. And when we're dealing with someone who's externally critical, um, you know, a whole host of strategies are useful, helpful. But I think from uh, from the purpose of what we've been doing here, the more that we've done our own work here the more skillfulness we're going to have to deal with the external critic. Right? If we haven't done our own work around our critic and we just, you know, a critic has, you know, is rampant and someone else criticizes us, good chance we'll go, yeah, you're right, yeah. You know, we'll agree, we'll collapse, we'll feel shamed. Um, the more we've done our work, like I, I notice, you know, when I get criticized, which, you know, I'm in a public role, so I get plenty, get my fair share anyway, um, or, you know, just in relationship, just friendships and you know, primary relationship, or family, you know, always happy to dole out a few. Um, uh, the, the, my, the quality of discernment is much more available, of like, oh, is that true? Let me, let me think about that, is that, you know, is that really true? And, I, and it may not be even a dialogue, it's just my internal reflecting about what they're saying. Um, or sometimes I just go, I know that's their stuff. They have a trip about this thing. They need to spew it out. The Buddhism's a piece of crap. Okay, that's what they like to do. Okay. And it's like, it's like again, having done one's work, it doesn't stick as much. The internal stuff doesn't stick as much. The external stuff doesn't stick as much. Sometimes if the uh, internal stuff is a direct product of the external stuff, do you think that dealing with external stuff would get rid of the internal stuff? No. You need the internal. <laughs> no, because once it's internalized, it's internalized, and that's its own piece of work. Just because you get rid of the external, that won't shift the internal. You have to do the, You have to do both. Yeah. Thanks. So. Dealing with the outer critic. <laughs> Dealing with the outer critic. Next workshop. <laughs> you know, I tell this story. I was in. Um, I taught. I teach this weekend workshop at Esalen called "Freeing Yourself from the Critic." And I was in this room one year, and uh, it was kind of a little bit of a funky room. A lot of the, lot of the conference rooms at Esalen are a bit funky. And um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm just looking at my notes, and people start coming in on Friday night, the beginning of the weekend workshop. And the first person comes in and is like, well, that's a small room. Yeah, it's kind of small, yeah. Next person comes in, wow, it's really stuffy in here. Can we get some windows open? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to open some windows. 
the lights are really dull in here. Can we get to... Like every person came in, had a judgment. And I realized, wait a minute, I'm on a, in a critic workshop. What am I expecting? <laughs> what goes in, goes out, what goes out, goes in, you know. So, um, but I think, you know, I think some of these strategies apply, whether it's out or inner. Um, And, you know, again, going back to this point I was mentioning earlier about how a, a, a judgment gets conflated with our worth, the more that we mix those two, the more that when we get judged, we get reactive because rather than just hearing the judgment, say, about a presentation we just gave or some other thing we did at work, we take it as an assault on our identity and our, and our worth. And that's why we flare up. That's why someone, you know, sends an email saying, hey, how come the report is late? How dare you say the report's late? Don't you know? You know, we flare up, right? Because we feel like our worth is being attacked. They're just talking about asking where the report is. It's just behind time schedule. What's up? Right? So we, um, we flare up. Actually, a really great book um, that uh, has a lot of good... Uh, tips in this domain is um, difficult conversations. Harvard uh, School of Negotiation, very small, concise, really practical book about difficult conversations. And the thing they speak to, which speaks to the, exactly the work that we're doing here, is they say there's three things going on in every conversation. There's the content, you know, where's the report? How come it's not on time? The second is the emotions. So, okay, so someone, my boss says that I feel defensive, I feel reactive, I feel frustrated, I feel, you know, whatever I feel. And then there's a, the, the bigger issue, which is usually quite off the radar, is the identity issue, which is the, the, the narrative that I tell myself that I believe, which could be, oh my God, my boss has seen, I'm not uh, performing well, um, so, and, and, and the, the, three, the three questions that get elicited under identity is, am I competent? Am I worthy of love and respect? And am I a good person? Right? Those, those identity issues get triggered when we get judged. Right? And the person just saying, where's the report? Like, was no, no assumption whatever of your worth just was, you know, he's got his boss who he's reporting to wants to know where this project is going. And he's just asking, how's it coming along? And we have a whole, you know, eruption of stuff about self-worth, right? Because our own critic is doing that all the time, right? Probably telling us ourselves, how come I'm behind this project? I'm a terrible, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, anyhow. Ah... <sighs> Okay, that's enough words for today. <laughs> so let's um, let's uh, let's just put our pens down and let's just come into meditation for a moment or several. Could you turn, Kara? Could you turn that light off? Um, yeah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Yes. This is a great cartoon. I never make the same mistake twice. I make it five or six times just to be sure. It's <laughs> a great cartoon. I love that. <clears throat> oh, here's a nice, this is from, this is um, speaking to a point earlier. Um, Francoise Fenelon, uh, Archbishop, I believe. Um, as, light as light increases, so as meditation, as awareness, as light increases, however you understand light, as light increases, we see ourselves to be worse than we thought. It right? often happens as we stop becoming more mindful, more aware, we see, our, we see more of our stuff, right? It's more like, ooh. We are amazed at our form of blindness as we see issuing forth from the depths of our heart a whole swarm of shameful thoughts and feelings. We could never have believed that we had harbored such things and we stand aghast as we watch them gradually appear. 
we, we must neither be amazed nor disheartened. We are not worse than we were. On the contrary, we are better. But while our faults diminish, the light by which we see them waxes brighter. And we are filled with horror. But bear in mind for your comfort that we only perceive our malady when the cure begins. Right? So we see them when we, only when we see our stuff it's the beginning of the, the healing, right? The more you see the critic, it's actually a good thing, even though it's painful, because then it's like, oh, that's that thing. I can, have, I can have choice, I can have capacity around that. So, coming into meditation, closing your eyes, taking some deep breaths into your heart, feeling your heart center. Appreciating the good work that you've done today. Hard work. I applaud all of you for being here to look at this difficult part of our human nature. And again, Returning to the meta practice, the offering of your offering yourself words of kindness, words of um, well wishing, words of appreciation, whatever words come to you. May I be free from my inner critic. May I love myself just as I am. May I accept myself just as I am. find the strength and the capacities and the skill to work with my critics so it no longer undermines my worth and value. kind to myself. And call to mind someone that you love, some being, maybe it's an animal, Maybe the easiest thing for you to love is a dog, or a cat, or a child. Notice that you recognize you have this capacity for warmth, for care, for love. Now imagine yourself as a baby, as a one-day-old baby innocent, beautiful, vulnerable, sensitive, or as a one-year-old, or as a five-year-old, as a little boy or a girl, innocent, playful, spontaneous, completely lovable, completely fine, just as you are. Extending your heart, kindness and love to that part of you. yourself with kindness. 
poem from Derek Walcott. The time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you have ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit and feast on your life. So in case you're thinking you should be leaving this workshop all fixed now, I'm going to read you one last poem called Inner Peace. Some of you will know this. If you can start your day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you time and attention, you can take criticism and blame without resentment, conquer tension without medicine, relax without booze, sleep without drugs, then you're probably the family dog. <laughs> so just so we, you know, keep it real here and <laughs> so, uh, so okay, so a few closing things. Um, all these talks are recorded. Um, last year's workshop is recorded. This one's recorded. You can download the talks for free from Dharma Seed, D-H-A-R-M-A-S-E-E-D. So if you need to um, listen to them again. Dharma Seed, D-H-A-R-M-A, Seed, S-E-E-D, dot org wonderful resource for um, thousands of talks on meditation and Buddhist teaching. Um, the book I referred to that I draw a lot from is Soul Without Shame, Byron Brown. I hope to be writing my own, but I will see if that happens or not. Um, uh, what else? Um, you know, practice the strategies. You know, write them down. Practice with somebody, you know, friend or somebody you met here. Like, it's really effective to do it live. Like, I can't stress that enough. Find someone you trust who loves you, who's willing to do this work. It's really, really powerful. If you can, or do it with your therapist or your coach or whoever you have that kind of relationship with. Um, really, really useful. Um, and practice on your own, you know, in the car, when you're talking, when you're on a hike, when you're you know, lying in bed at night. Um, so it will serve you. Um, some logistical things: um, if you if you haven't if you're doing CEs, please sign out. I have a mailing list on the back table. Um, I do a lot of workshops here and elsewhere. I do a lot of things outside of Spirit Rock. Um, I run mindfulness teacher trainings in San Francisco and in England that training people how to teach mindfulness practice for those who have a substantive practice themselves. Um, I have a whole wilderness nature retreat program where I take people outside backpacking and kayaking in Mexico and various places where we integrate mindfulness and nature. That website is called awakeinthewild.com but if you sign up you can get information about that. Um, and my other website is called the mindfulnessinstitute.com where I take mindfulness practices into companies. I'm doing more and more work in healthcare settings, hospitals, uh, training healthcare providers uh, to do to, to sustain themselves with mindfulness practice and compassion, which is really important work. So um, 
A couple of uh, logistical announcements. Julie is looking for a ride to Bon Air. This is Julie. Anybody can someone give Julie a ride to Bon Air? Over here. Great. Ah. And um, well, this this is a car has lights on, but you know it's either good or it's not, so you'll survive. Um, so. Um, Thank you for your practice. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. And I hope we see each other again. May you all, may we all be free of our inner critics. Okay, thank you. Take care. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.